Hello and welcome to the Mindful Coach Podcast, a podcast where you'll meet the courageous coaches and helping professionals who value mindfulness in their life and work and hear their inspiring stories firsthand. You'll hear about new technology that is breaking new ground, as well as discussions with experts to help you be more successful in your practice. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you're going to meet some remarkable people. And I'm your host, Brett Hill. I'm a Mindful Somatic Coach and founder of the Mindful Coach Association. I meet a lot of coaches working with the Mindful Coach Association. I'm so inspired by their stories and the courageous work that they're doing that I created this podcast so you can hear them too. If you're aligned with this work, then join us at themindfulcoachassociation.com, where you can list your services for absolutely free and receive invitations to community meetings where you can network and meet your colleagues. We hope you'll join us. And now, the Mindful Coach Podcast. So welcome to the Mindful Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and I have a special guest here today with me. Jeff Lysowitz, who is an amazing guy, I'm here to tell y'all. This guy is Mr. Creative. He has been working in the field of helping people find their creative expression, their passion, and lighting them up about that for as long as I've known him, which has been about four or five years now. And uh, I couldn't wait to get him onto the podcast. He's a member of the Mindful Coach Association, where you can also find his listing there. And uh, so welcome to the show, Jeff. It's great to have you here. Well, hello, hello, and thanks for having me here. <laughs> you bet, you bet. I want to read a little bit from your your website here. It's jefflisowitz.com. That's J-E-F-F-L-E-I-S-A-W-I-T-Z, jefflisowitz.com. And you can find him there to engage on his speaking and his conferences and his workshops and get his book. You have a book, right? What's your book? I've got two books. One is Not Effing Around, The No BS Guide for Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground. And the second one, which isn't quite out yet, is called The Magical Impact of Storytelling, How to Open Minds and Connect Hearts. Mm, beautiful. I love that. And that's what you say. He says, you're on a mission to inspire and teach storytellers and creators of every flavor to open minds and connect hearts with the words and stories to live their best lives and shine their magic. Uh, so that's that's really great stuff and so inspiring. How do you do that? How do you get people to connect to how to tell stories? What's What's alive in them that wants to come out? Like somebody comes to you and says, I feel like there's something here, but I don't know how to move it. What do you tell them? Sure. Well, the first thing is rather mindful. And <laughs> Yay. as it turns out, <laughs> it's to like kind of slow it down, right? Take a couple breaths and just kind of center yourself. Because oftentimes, as you know, our brains are spinning around a thousand miles an hour and we're we're not really tuned to ourselves and to the world. And we don't even really know what we're trying to say, what we're trying to do, where we just have this feeling like we better do something. So once we get into a sort of quieter state like that, then we go into the why. Why do you want to tell your story or write your book or your you know, any kind of story, really. I mean, I've worked with people with screenplays and abstract painters and dancers and stuff like that. And it's really always about story in one way or another. So we take a breath and dig in to the why. 
why are we doing this? Why do we want to tell the story that we want to tell? And often over time and in that discussion, the reasons and the story gets deeper, more centered mm -hmm. in truth, in their truth and in their heart. And once we have the core of where we're going, we can then come up with a plan to expand that, to make an outline, to get a plan to, you know, actually do the writing. But you really need to know what you're really trying to do and why you are trying to do that. Why this story matters to you. Because if it doesn't matter to you, it's not going to matter to anybody else, that's for sure. Oh yeah, right. So you, you're trying to connect to like what what's important to you, right? What what wants to happen there? How did you even get involved in the work of trying to help people connect to this kind of expression, this kind of creative work? What was it that moved you to move into helping other people? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I've always been helper type, you know, service kind of guy, and always been a creative. And I've written a million songs and a million stories and a million poems and screenplays and books. And, you know, I'm into photography and great photography is about storytelling too. We all mm -hmm. want to understand this world, right? Our own lives, our own selves, and what the hell is going on out there, right? <laughs> and how we can interact with it in some kind of useful, happy, and fulfilling way. So I have been teaching songwriting for college students for many years. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And what a great gig that is, teaching college students to rock. Like, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Sort of like, a, sort of like the dream job. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of that, besides learning how to actually do the recording and how the chords work and stuff like that, you know, it gets into what are these lyrics about and why are you writing this, right? And who are you writing it for and who are you writing it to, right? So depending on what kind... Because those can be very different, right? Who you're writing it for and who you're writing it to, right? Mm, yeah. Wow. Right? For sure. So, you know, when you look at successful writers, they know their audience and they also know why they're writing the type of thing that they do. Like when you think of Stephen King, okay, huge, you know, one of the most successful authors ever, really. This guy, you know, if you see interviews and stuff, he, he talks about, I was always scared as a kid. Oh, interesting. Always scared. All these stories are really just me trying to overcome these childhood fears. So that's his why. He knows why. That's a lot of scary. <laughs> it's, a lo it's a lot of scary. Okay? Yeah. And he also knows his audience. His audience is people who, you know, want to read this kind of thing. You know, they also share these kinds of fears. So by understanding this and being good at it, you know, and doing lots of work, obviously, you can create something powerful that connects with your audience. Mm, right. So teaching or creating is a manifestation of your own struggles in your, in your life and a way to express something in this case, like trying to reach an audience with Stephen King uh, talking about his fears or writing scary stories to help him feel not so afraid. 
And what's really interesting for me is when we are really vulnerable and really open about our writing, our subconscious melts into our stories and characters. You don't necessarily even know that you're doing it, but if you start to look, you'll realize, hey, look at this character. What similarities does it have to me? Mm -hmm. What am I trying to work out through this character or through this story? Because really that's all it is. It's an externalization of our inner parts where we can create some kind of drama, some kind of conflict and have our characters in some interesting way overcome these things to make the change. And that's really what all stories are. Stories are really just about change. What is changing? And as humans out there on planet earth, we, (laughs) right. We want to change as well. That's why stories are so powerful. People love them so much. Movies, TV, songs, everything is because we can watch or listen to another person experience a challenge and make a change where sometimes it's more difficult for us to do that in our real life, in our personal lives. So it's reflecting back on your own story in a way, right? And so you're resonating with what's really true for you in a way that might not be realized or spoken yet. Exactly. And it's also safe. When we're sitting there on the couch or in the movie theater or reading the book or something, and, you know, let's just say it's a a romantic comedy, and the young woman, what's a typical romantic comedy? She has to pick between the jerky rich guy and the dork <laughs> who loves her, right? You don't have to make that choice, but you can watch her do it. And of course, she's going to make the wrong choice first and she's going to pay the price. And then, you know, in a typical story, she's going to come around and, and pick the guy who loves her, who doesn't appear. We hope so. We hope so, right? But we can learn about this without living it first mm-hmm. right? and then hopefully we can take that lesson or that wisdom into our own life that's a very basic example but you get i think you get the idea so what do you say to someone who says you know i feel like i'd like to write but i really just don't i just don't know like i don't know what is true about my story or why would it be interesting who would want to read anything about me mm-hmm. well those are a lot of different questions oh, okay well just Pick the most interesting one. (laughs) So one of the things we would do is an exercise that I learned in college, which is probably the best thing I ever learned in college. (laughs) Okay, hold on. I want to break the best thing Jeff's ever learned in college, folks, right here. So save yourself a career in college and (laughs) save yourself a lot of money. It took the teacher about two minutes. Because this is is the good stuff right here. So it's a writing exercise called speed wrap. And what it is, is you write for, it's a practice. You do it every day for 10 minutes a day. You write by hand or on the computer. Once you start, you cannot stop. Grammar Mm -hmm. doesn't count. Spelling doesn't count. Punctuation doesn't count. You can't go backwards, right? But here's the real gist of it. Here's what makes it super cool. You may not finish a thought or a sentence. Hmm. And this becomes very difficult for people when they first do it. So this might sound something like, 
I'm here with Brett setting up the scene around the lean stop and go coming back from traffic, right? Oh, I see. It can just like the words just move, you know, through rhymes or opposites or, you know, just like anything, you know, little thoughts, but you can't finish the thought. It's fragments, it's flow. Yeah. And when you start to do this at first, the first thing that's going to happen for most people is that your sort of inner critic, your inner editor is going to be like, this is, first of all, this is stupid. This Jeff guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Then, you know, this is hard, right? Because they haven't done it before. So yeah, it's hard. So the inner critic and the inner editor is sort of rejecting what you're doing. Mm. But eventually, if you keep it up, that inner critic, that inner editor won't be able to stop the flow. And when that happens, these words, these images are going to come up through you and start spitting out onto the page. And what you're going to find is there is going to be some juicy subconscious stuff in there. And that, mm. and that kind of stuff can be very good fodder to continue writing. You write for 10 minutes and you find one little phrase and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was still a big thing for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. And then you can start like journaling on that, right? So that's one way to get people going. Another way is to sort of try to understand where your pain is. Right. Because that core wound or those core wounds, those things that hurt us is really where our own drama is. How do we get across that? So if you can identify that clearly, then you can write about it and you can write about it again in a safe way. You can write about mm -hmm. it through characters that aren't you who can take chances that you might never take. Right. But you can play them out in your imagination, in your mind, in your heart. You can experience it and you can begin to heal through that writing. Mm -hmm. When you do this with skill and over time and you get this out to a reader, you know, somebody else is experiencing this. This is a tremendous gift that you give to them because you're giving yourself your gift of creativity your expression being seen through that and allowing someone else to see this expression they will relate to it in the ways that they do and they will know that they're not alone mm. and when you think back of your favorite songs and books and movies i guarantee you if you think about it long enough you'll be like oh this is why I relate to this because that character's struggle is just like my struggle. It's not the same. It can't be the same, right? But it can be thematically similar. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's really beautiful. I love that. You're not alone. Not only are you healing yourself, you're healing others and you're healing the world. That's why. Exactly. So uh, one of my little riffs when I do my keynote and whatnot, at its best, storytelling is a way for us to be seen, expressed, healed, and connected. Mm -hmm. When we give our gift of creativity to the world, we become the gift because we show others that they 
can be seen, expressed, healed, and connected. And when we do this, we change from just a writer putting words down on a paper to the sort of undercover rock star ninja army (laughs) that is really here to help connect and heal the world in these kinds of ways. Wow. I love that so much. It's resonating with me and I'm connecting because, you know, I'm passionate about that same thing in the coaching world. It's like helping people as coaches be the best coaches they can be, not only heal themselves, but to heal other people. And in the process, we heal ourselves as well. So much of this just resonates with like when you're going to coach people, you often coach people about the very struggles that you've been through. And let's face it, you kind of always go through some versions of struggles, right? You get, you get better, but you don't ever get in some ways like completely healed because you, when you're damaged, you get a little scar tissue where you're hurt, you know? And so you remember, oh yeah, it was like that when I got hurt. This is what I learned. And here's how I can connect with other people who were where things are a little fresher and a little more alive in terms of the, the woundedness. Mm, That's so beautiful. Yeah, you know, I have this concept that I sometimes, you know, mention out there in the world, and that is that coaches are not people who have it all together in whatever they're coaching, whether it's... Wait, what? (laughs) No, really, it's true. (laughs) Whether it's health or mindfulness or business or whatever these things are. But here's what coaches are. Coaches are people who are committed to walking the path to get Mm. as close as they can. And then to use that information, wisdom, whatever experience to help others. Yes. uh, That becomes the mission in a way, whenever you've done your quote unquote work and you connect to what's true, resourceful and whole in you, what emerges from that in myself and in many other, and in coaches in general, it's like, like when I asked you, what is it that led you? He said, well, I've always been a helpful person. So I, I kind of would like to, to know more about that. Like, how did you discover that you were a helpful person? Wow. Good question. How did I discover it? Well, I don't think I noticed it in myself when I was young at all. Mm-hmm. However, as I got older, I still didn't discover it in myself. What I discovered was that so many other people in the world were not particularly <laughs> helpful. Mm. So a little bit of, I want to help more than everyone else around me, it seems like. I just kind of want to. But, but it, it isn't even want to. It's like, this is what I do. And then when I look mm. around and I see everybody, you know, let's just say I'm 75% helpful or whatever. You know, and I look around <laughs> and I'm like, well, like most of the world is 20% helpful. Mm. Huh, well, I mm-hmm. guess I'm helpful in relation to them. I'm there's certainly more helpful people out there right, <laughs> yeah. than myself. But how did I know that I was this? I think it was by looking at my relationship to others. Mm. And at some point, though, you decided to like take it a step further to actually align with i'm going to help people professionally right exactly none of this was on my radar when i was younger Mm -hmm. i I just didn't even think of it or know it um i was all into pursuing my rock star dreams and writing screenplays and all this kind of stuff which completely informs what i'm doing now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it wasn't 
within the context of, of coaching. Right. And then at some point, you know, I got into NLP. Oh yeah. Because I had neurolinguistic programming, neurolinguistic programming. And I practiced that for a while. And the reason I got into that was because when I was about 20 and I was in bad shape in a lot of ways, mm. I miraculously found myself to an NLP practitioner and in several sessions changed, like literally changed my life. It was blown away. And then, you know, whatever, 15 years later, I got into the training and started doing that. And from there, it kind of moved into the coaching. So something happened in NLP that you said saved your life, like that connected you up somehow with something deeper? Am I guessing here? Oh, yeah. At the root of it, it was understanding that the subconscious is driving the whole thing. Mm -hmm. We love as humans to think our little sort of tiny, like microscopic awareness <laughs> at the top of the iceberg, you know, <laughs> exactly. is, is driving the show. And it appears to be, mm -hmm. right? But it's not, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so the subconscious pieces of us are, you know, might be considered either, and this is a generalization, but either helpful or not. If you believe subconsciously that you're a strong person who's good looking and can get stuff done, well, that's a pretty good subconscious belief. You might as well hold on to that one. But if it is something like, you know, when things get hard, I quit. Things mm -hmm. aren't worth it. Well, then you can look back and see like about a thousand times where you've quit in the past 20 years. That's not mm -hmm. a helpful piece to your life, right? It's just not going to get you anywhere. And most people want to get somewhere. So yeah, that's really rich. I totally resonate with the with that in terms of, you know, unless you've done the work of doing your inner work and really, really seriously looking at how do I do myself in the world? I guess I, I sometimes have these uh, conversations with myself when I'm imagining explaining something to other people, like people who might not really have that much going on. The thing about me is I've always been very intellectually curious about how things work. And that includes at some point, I kind of was looking in the mirror and go, how does this work? You know, how do these brains work? It's kind of like, this is a very complicated system. And you know what? I don't know anything really about it. You know, I imagine these things, but is it so? And that inquiry led me to come to the, many of these same conclusions about, you know, our neurology really structures a great deal of the quality of our experience, which leads, of course, into mindfulness so that we can have some authority, if you will, around the quality of experience that's a little bit separated from the circumstances of your life. Well put. Absolutely. If you allow the circumstances of your life to control the quality of your life, you are then at the whim of the chaos of the world. Yeah. That was a pretty good quote. I might want to quote myself on that one. <laughs> Here we are, folk. Memes. Memes a minute here on The Mindful Coach. So, yeah, exactly so. And in the work that I do, it's very important to help people kind of breathe a little moment of mindfulness into the, the traditional sort of automatic mode behavior so that there's a choice there. 
And you begin to then be able to study the dynamics of, oh, I want to be reactive because this guy said my work wasn't good enough and I could just hear my brothers and my my mother saying I'll never mount to anything. And it triggers all of that. And so you have this outsized reaction. And you really don't want to have an outsized reaction. Instead of being reactive and saying, well, you don't know how hard I worked and who are you? You go, tell me more. You know, what's really true? Why? You know, that's a, that's a conscious choice. That's a, that's a big decision uh, right there. Absolutely. The more conscious we can be, the more we can guide our lives and create our own destinies rather than being driven by the subconscious. Well, and the thing is, I think, and I'm not trying to take over the guest slot here, but I, I know we're aligned on this. It's, it's like, does it come naturally? You have to create that capability. And so the exercises you're talking about, which I really appreciate, are like, you know, the, what'd you call the writing? Speed wrap. Jam, the writing. Speed wrap. Yeah, writing wrap. Yeah, the wrap. You know, that really opens the door to that unfiltered process. So you, you disrupt the normal neurological processing and let something new happen. Absolutely. That's really key, I think, is engaging new stuff so that you can find out who you are in new ways. Yes, absolutely. So what are you doing these days that's um, inspiring to you? Are you engaging in any kind of newness or oh, you've got your new book that's coming out? Like, What was it that got you connected to your new topic, your new book? Well, the new book is based on my keynote speech, The Magical Impact of Storytelling, How to Connect Minds and Open Hearts. Um, I wrote and rocked the speech. I figured I might as well just make a book out of it. So <laughs> that's that. And, you know, you can reach people in different ways because they can't always hear you, you know, speak at an organization or company or some marketing conference or something like that. So that's, that's part of what's going on there. Yeah. Other things that are interesting to me right now, I am a sort of part-time filmmaker. I am currently making a music video vampire short film. A vampire short film. Well, that's something you don't hear every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is I'm not really, I am sort of into vampires, I guess, but I'm not really into horror at all. Um, so it's really not that scary, but there is a vampire in it. <laughs> the unscary vampire. Cool. So that sounds like a fun part. So filmmaking. So what? A, let's run through the things. So there's keynote speaking. There's being an author. There's movie making. And I remember we've talked before. You you play instruments. Mm -hmm. Yep, I play guitar and bass and program beats and you know bass lines I, I do all kinds of that music stuff and you teach you were teaching songwriting yeah that and, <laughs> you know, i'm into photography I'm, I'm really into a whole lot of different creative forms and i have been you know since i've been young mm. i just love all this stuff and i love that technology can allow us to do mm-hmm some of these things at very high qualities for very low cost. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's just cool. That is cool. So I'm wondering if in all of this, you know, exploration and all these talents and all, it's like the, the thing that moving you is like we've talked about before, 
in the work I've seen you do, really actively in trying to inspire people, mm -hmm. it feels to me. And your, you know, your first book, you know, not effing around, you know, it's kind of like, let's get serious about this, folks. Uh, you know, I have a copy of it, and I went to your workshop too, which was really, really good on writing. And so there's like this, you know, wanting to help people connect. Can, can you talk a bit about what it is that really helps people kind of connect to connect to like what it is that wants to happen? And then we talked a little bit about this before, but I guess what I'm looking for is like a story. Like, do you have a situation where you found that this was really helpful or specific? That one technique was great. Are there is there anything else in the wheelhouse that you would say? Oh, I found that this was really useful in with with writers or, or artists. Well, I'll, let me give you a scenario. People who are blocked, you know, you, get, you hear about writer block all the time. If somebody comes to you and says, I just am completely blocked. What might you suggest to them? Well, I'd, I'd probably start with that exercise. But but besides that, one of the reasons why people get get blocked, whether it's in writing or anything else, is because they get too serious about it. Like it matters too much to them. It has to be perfect. Oh, I see. That kind of thing. So I've done workshops and I work with clients uh, like this sometimes where we consider the art of the ephemeral. Okay. So if you think back of the Buddhists with the sand paintings, the sand mandalas, you know what I'm talking about? These monks mm -hmm, go out there and they put the colored sand in this big, big beautiful mandala you know on the concrete of the temple and then they say a prayer and they sweep it away they work on this thing you know three or four guys for two weeks and they sweep it away and they're magnificent creations you know they're incredible beautiful and the concept is non-attachment to the outcome so what i like to do with clients is exercises like that we don't use you know sand and mandalas generally although that would be fun um, you know, I'm like, write something and rip it up, literally destroy it, rip the paper. And people get very freed, freeing feeling by literally destroying the thing that they just created, right? Because it shows you that it is not that important. Mm -hmm. It is both sacred, what we create. And it is, it is nothing, mm. right? So in college, I had this um, pottery class. I thought this was amazing. So the teacher teaches us how to make the bowl, you know, on the wheel and all this and that. We come back the next week and she's like, okay, come with me down the hall. And we all go down the hall in this little like cinder block bunker, you know, it's like little tiny room. <laughs> she's like, okay, put on these, put on your these goggles okay she's like jeff smash your pot against the wall i'm like what oh my god <laughs> smash it against the wall we smashed all these pots and then we oh, go wow. back into the uh you know into the classroom and she's like well what was that about well it's this concept that if you're going to be a potter yes everything you create is valuable and there's always something more to create, mm -hmm. right? So that it's valuable, but it's not, you know? Mm -hmm. When you come to your writing with that kind of attitude, 
you realize that it's true. And the writer's block disappears. I get the college students who are so worked up that the very first song that they have written is not sounding like it's going to get on the radio. <laughs> Oops. And I'm like, do you know how many songs Taylor Swift wrote before she got a record deal or the Beatles or like, you know, and even just a band. Now you put out an album with 10 songs. You probably write if you're a decent band, you're writing 40 or 50. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, the concept is don't get too attached to what you're doing, especially if it is stopping you from doing it. Right. Yeah. So, so just put something down and don't worry about it. Just get the, get the flow going and see what happens. Exactly. And from there, it feels lighter. Yeah. Nice. So we, um, you know, this podcast is really about coaching and helping people who wish to be and are coaches or helping professionals that use mindfulness in their work. And so it's like if you were talking to uh, uh, an audience here of people who were their creative work was coaching, and this might be you know a little bit of a sideways question for you. I don't know, but I don't think it is. What might you say? How could you apply some of this insight into people whose primary mechanism or the, the thing is they do is, is they're helping other people? Because mm -hmm. I'm imagining if let's just say that. That's my music. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, maybe we can riff, riff on that a little bit. Like what would be the, the way you could help people kind of organize around finding my creativity and inspiration around that? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So there's a lot of different um, kinds of coaches out there and different approaches to coaching. But I have found personally that the best coaching and my best results come from what I, what I learned in a band in college. It's called the structured jam. It's basically like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> if you're a Grateful Dead fan. So for people who are not, you know, into the Grateful Dead, what the, what the dead used to do is they'd have a song which was structured, chorus, verse, all that. However, they would also go way into the jams. These guys would go way into outer space to just like explore and be curious about what the music could do. And sometimes it was a sonic disaster. And other times it was more heavenly and beautiful than what any human could write. Okay. So that's what the Grateful Dead do. I bring that. And I suggest you or, you know, c coaches out there bring this to their coaching. If you're too structured in what you're doing, you know, you ask a specific set of questions exactly like this or do these exercises all in a row, you know, that is actually limiting. Mm -hmm. right? If you go totally the other way and it's like, hey, what's up, man? You know, and, you know, try to coach it like that. That's too much of the jam. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you can find that balance between what is your system, where are you trying to take this thing? Where is this going? Right. That's the structure. And then really be curious, mm -hmm. right. Without the agenda of where of the answer or where this thing is going, that's where you're going to find the real juicy stuff. And by the way, that will keep you on your toes as a coach 
Because since you don't know what's coming, you have to marshal your own resources, right? And be mindful yourself so that you can react in a, you know, in a way that's helpful for your client. Beautiful. I love that. It's like a coaching jam. It's a coaching jam. Yeah, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we invented something. Yeah. Uh, Coachingjam.com coming to you courtesy of the Mindful Coach Association. Wow, this has been so fun. So how can people connect with all this goodness that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Well, best bet is just hop on my website, jefflizowitz.com. If you can spell that properly or Brett, if you put that on the in the show notes. (laughs) I'll put it in in the show notes. Yeah, you can also get the book or books um, on Amazon. If you come to my site, there's tons of blog posts and stuff like that with all kinds of things on there. And then I'm very happy to do complimentary uh, coaching sessions with people. So just you know, sign up for that. Nice. And you can also find us listing at the mindfulcoachassociation.com as well. Uh, so you can find him there and find links to his resources and his social media, which I would recommend because he puts out some awesome uh, notes uh, via email periodically. It's really always great to to touch that fire, you know, we're coming out of your, your social media thread. I really like that a lot. So thank you so much for joining us on The Mindful Coach. I really appreciate it. And um, any any parting phrases, any parting words? Just thank you for being here. Always, always great talking to you. Great. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's great to have you on the show. Take care. And that's a wrap for this edition of the Mindful Coach Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this presentation. And if you did, follow us and leave us a review. If you're a coach or helping professional that values mindfulness in your work, browse over to mindfulcoachassociation.com and create a free community profile describing your services so the world can find you. And you'll be invited to exclusive community meetings where you can meet your colleague. I'm your host, Brett Hill, founder of the Mindful Coach Association, coach and coach trainer teaching the Mindful Coach Method. You can find out more about me at themindfulcoach.com. Until next time, stay present.